Help, I'm a children's pastor is sponsored in part by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as $99. View the gallery and see what I've done for others and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. This is Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, Episode 3. Welcome to Help, I'm a Children's Pastor. I'm James Kennison. This is a show where we're focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. It's episode four, brought to you the week of December 19, 2010. And again, I'm James Kennison, Children's Pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in St. Pete, Florida. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Our main topic today is going to be games as object lessons. And uh, before we get into that, though, I want to remind you, that the story I wrote last year called The Very Last Room is still available. It's not Christmas yet. And if you need a Christmas story uh, to read in your children's ministry or for a candlelight service, that's exactly why I wrote it. And I'd love to share it with you for a donation of only $5. Um, I'll send you a PDF file. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a PDF file of uh, the the story as well as all the images um, for the, the illustrates the story and a pre-made uh, PowerPoint of the whole thing. You can check out a video of the story all kind of put together. I even put some background music and all that on uh, on YouTube, and I'll link that in the show notes at helpimachildrenspastor.com in the show notes for this episode, episode three. Um, also, just a little ministry update. I put a post up uh, last week about a uh, set that I'm building. I, I took a minute because I wasn't real sure about how the set was going to go together. And I built a miniature version of the set. And I'd love to share that with you. I've got some images and uh, some some text on, on how I'm doing what I'm doing. Pretty soon I'll have updates on the final set. I'm actually building that right now. I'm really excited about it. I hope to have it done and unveiled for the uh, day after Christmas. So I'll be working my tail off this week. Um, but it's a portable set. And I think it, I finally found that that uh, balance between durable and lightweight because um, I'm, I'm building it using flats. Now, if you're not familiar with flats, they've been used for years and years and years in drama where they'll, they'll build a, a frame that's typically eight foot tall, four foot wide, and uh, you, you, you clamp them together, you paint on the other side, you either put laminate or, or plywood or even stretch material across them. Well, instead of building my own, I went to Home Depot and I ended up using uh, what they call slab doors. They're hollow core. They're already built. They have laminate on each side that's absolutely flat, absolutely perfect and ready for any kind of treatment at all. And they're, what, $29 each? I don't even think I can build them for that much. And even if I could, they weren't going to be as heavy duty, but lightweight and I, I believe that was an idea came straight from God because I was sitting there poking my head against the wall, wondering how I was going to build all these things in time. And uh, I used 10 36-inch wide doors, and uh, I've, I, I'm using a cloth two-way hinge. Now, that's confusing, but I'll have some resources up on the website 
after I get everything done, I'll put up a how-to on the whole thing and even have a, a link to a book that I'm using called um, uh, Self-Supporting Sets. That's the awesome thing about these things is they f- each set of panels fold down on each other and I can move them very easily into the back room. But when I pull them out, I mean, I've got an 18-foot wide set out of 10 36-inch doors. So I've got a puppet stage. It's going to be awesome. So go check that out at helponchildrenspastor.com. If it's not right on the front page, uh, look for, uh, let's see, what's it called? Ch- Kid City Set. Okay? And you ought to be able to find it right there. I'm looking forward to that, and I'll give you some more updates as we go along. Let's get right into our main topic, games as object lessons. Um if you're not playing games in children's ministry, it's it's probably two reasons. One, you don't know how. Two, you think it's a waste of time. Um, you know, or three, you don't prep. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not talking about games like we grew up with. Uh, sword drills, they're fine. But sword drills doesn't take any prep. And sword drills, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to offend some people. They don't teach you a whole lot, do they? They teach you how to look up stuff quick in the Bible, but day in, day out. Does that is that really the most important thing to teach kids is how quickly to look up a verse? Shouldn't it be in their heart? Shouldn't they be able to quote it and look it up at their leisure? So anyway, that being said, I want to tell you this. Games are not, don't have to be a waste of time. I know that um, I've used games in for years. And back in the day, I was probably guilty of just putting games in just to break up the monotony. I didn't want the kids to be having, you know, to sit and sit and sit and have to listen to speaker after speaker. I I wanted to break it up. And so I'd put a couple games in uh, at random times. Some some children's ministries do game segments where they'll play three games in a row. I've always been the kind that I want to break it up, still putting them pretty close to the front end of the service. But I like to throw them in right after a time that's usually going to be chaotic anyway, right after the introductions, right before praise and worship to get them hyped up, um, maybe right after offering, you know, things like that. Um, and I don't always do three. I usually do one and at the most two. But I used to be guilty of just sticking them in for, for fun. But in the last, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, I have been finding that I can easily theme the game to the lesson and use them as object lessons to the point that my game leader not only leads the game, but has a summary at the end of what the game has taught us. So I'd like to teach you, you know, not only open your mind to the concept, but kind of share how we do what we do and maybe uh, either, you know, being able to incorporate that in your service, perfecting what you're already doing or doing like I did and just making a small change that makes a huge difference. I love those kind of things. First of all, I'd love to give you some tips just in general on games in in service because there's a difference between stage games and group games. Group games is where everybody plays the game. Um, We're real familiar with these from groups like Awana, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, you know, Rover, Red Rover, send Jimmy right over. Um, You know, when I was in children's church, half the time they'd just walk us outside and play these games. And that's fine, but we're not talking about those kind of games. We're talking about stage games. And stage games, the rule is, it's got to be as much fun to watch as it is to play. Why? Because you don't want 200 kids or even 30 kids mad at you for not picking them. (laughs) 
they're going to be a little ticked off because every kid likes to get picked. But the game um, needs to be fun to watch and entertaining. And and that's where the, you know, I think this overused phrase, Nickelodeon-style games, come into play. They don't all have to be beautifully colored with giant props and all that kind of stuff, but it at least needs to be exciting enough uh, to keep the audience's attention. And in my opinion, the way to do that is to have a lot of motion built in. Even if all you have is a prop where you've got a bucket full of playground balls on one side and an empty bucket on the other, there's going to be motion running back and forth, passing it over their head, under their legs, over their head, under something to keep the kids interested, give them something to cheer for. Now, if it's if it's something small like moving a a life a lifesaver from toothpick to toothpick, you know, like a youth game, um, where each kid has a toothpick in their mouth and they're trying to move that that's not very fun. And honestly, not very safe. I wouldn't want to, uh, two six year olds with uh, toothpicks in their mouth, trying to catch each other's light lifesaver. Um, uh, that's not real fun to watch. It's, it's very intricate. It's very small. Um, you know, you could say it's, it's fun for youth, not so much fun for the audience, very fun for the people playing not fun for the audience. So make sure uh, that your games are exciting. And again, I think uh, big, large props, big, huge motions is the way to make that happen. Number two, make sure your audience can see. A lot of times I'll see games played on a flat surface. That is kind of a no-no because your audience cannot see what's going on on the table. Let's see who can put this puzzle together the fastest. Three, two, one, go. Well, all my kids are seeing is some kids fiddling with stuff on the table. Um, there's nothing wrong with using tables. I love tables, but make sure you're doing something with it. There's a clear bowl on the table. What you need to do is take this straw and go suck up as much soda as you can and spit it in this clear bowl. And then now people can see what's going on because they have a clear bowl and you can see the level of liquid rising as the kids are spitting stuff into it, whatever, whatever. The other thing is I'll see kids facing the teacher or the, the game leader, their backs are to the audience and whatever they're doing, the audience can't see. So make sure your kids are on the right side of the table. Make sure it looks like, um, the last supper, everybody's on one side of the table. Um, I, I didn't write this down, but I love clear containers. I use them exclusively for games. Uh, you can go get three inch round vases that are anywhere from uh, six inches tall to a foot and a half tall at Walmart. They're about three bucks a piece. They're great for games. Uh, peeling the label off a two liter bottle, um, you know, uh, piece lengths of clear acrylic flexible tubing from Home Depot. All of these items are clear glasses and cups and bowls. And I even have a whole glassware section that anything I buy glass, I put it in this one area so it doesn't get squished, crashed or broke. And I'll pull those joke out for ob- those jokers out for object lessons and for games. Um, you don't ever want a situation where, say, you're you're filling up two bowls full of rubber balls, and you have to tell the audience which one is taller. You want to be able to hold those jokers up, and the entire audience be able to say, "Team one has about an inch and a half more." You know, you want it to be absolutely obvious. I don't use solid colored anything when I have to do stuff like that. Um, and I don't do any games that require me to count at the end of them. 
uh, I'm either going to have somebody counting while the game's going on. Like say, you know, they're throwing balls in uh, across the stage and there's 10 in one and 15 in the other. I'm not going to sit there and count out 10 and then count out 15. That's going to take too long. I don't want to eat up that part of the service. I want to dedicate that to something more important. So I've got two people on the stage and part of their job or my job, if I don't have two people is I'm counting in real time as those balls are going in and on one hand, I've got one team's stats going on the other one. I got the other one. And if I don't know exactly, I'll say I was counting while that was going on and these got two more than the other. Yay! So there's ways to keep stuff going. If you can't tell I'm a stickler about time, I want my kids to have a great time and I want to be able to get the unimportant stuff out of the way. Because let's face it, games are just padding. They are not the most important thing that you do throughout the service. And so they should not take up more time than they're worth. So make sure they can be seen. 90% of my games, this is how I make up my games. Because I don't, I don't buy game books. I don't search the internet for hours. I used to back in the day. But my goal today is not only to help you use object lessons as, or games as object lessons, but also help you and save you time by helping you to make up your own games on the fly, depending on what you're talking about and whether or not your curriculum has game suggestions or not. So here is one time-saving way. Almost every single one of my games follow a 60 second format. I have a 60 second countdown and I play it for every single game. Just about any game. That's not a quiz gets the 60 second treatment. And that's why that show minute to win it has become very, very happy for me because it gives me ideas and things like that. Because here's the format of almost every one of my games. How many blanks can you blank in 60 seconds? That's it. That's how we fill in our content. How many balls can you throw into the other bucket in 60 seconds? How many check marks can you write on a piece of paper in 60 seconds? How many liters of blah, blah, blah can you pour into blah, blah, blah in 60 seconds? And so that is it. That's how we do what we do. And then we have quizzes as well. Quizzes are really fun. They're not timed but they keep the audience involved. I always let audience participation become a part of it. We'll typically pick two younger kids that need that participation. It gets the entire group involved in the quiz rather than just the two people up on the stage, things like that. Let's jump into how to create games that teach. Um, I want to reiterate that before you shut off your brain and say, I can't think up games, I'm not that creative. Here's something I want to tell you. It is faster, again, for you to create your own and less hard work, or at least as much, as it is for you to look them up online. If you're like me, you've spent hours poring over game sites and websites and books, and you may not find exactly what you need. And then once you've played the game, all that research went to waste because you cannot use it again for a long time. And if I don't know if things have changed in the last 10 years, but back when I was looking at stuff... All I could find was youth games, and I had to modify them to the point that I might as well have thought up my own in the first place. So here's my ideas. Pull from your object lesson if you need an idea for a game. Pull from your object lesson. If your object lesson involved a hammer, for instance, um, maybe you can get a big inflatable hammer and have that as part of your game prop. And you have to knock, uh, you know, I don't know, something off some kids' heads with this hammer. Or you have to carry the hammer like a, like a relay race and get it around the entire church and 
you know, 60 seconds. How many times can you, uh, you know, do, do this, that, and the other? I don't know. I wouldn't use a real hammer, but there are ways to get that into your game. So pull from your object lesson, whatever your object was, if it was cotton balls, then say, how many cotton balls can you shove inside this acrylic tube? I love acrylic tubes. You can get them at Home Depot. Um, you find them right next to uh, where the fluorescent lights are. And there are these acrylic covers that go over, um, that protect the tubes. I don't know that they protect them as much as they keep them from shattering all over the floor when they bust. Uh, but you can get them for like, I don't know, two or three bucks. And they have an eight foot version and I believe a 10 foot version, man, they're awesome. You can shove all kinds of stuff inside of them or use them as tubes and pour liquid from one area to the other. You could cut them with a, with a knife and have them in segments and oh, all kinds of stuff. So pull from your object lesson if you need to. Um, if that's not specific enough, pull from the last point you made right before the game. I'm a big fan of that is I'll have somebody come up, they'll make point one, or if I'm preaching it myself, I'll talk about point one and then the game sound plays it's time to play a game and it seems random but it's all not and that game reiterates what i just talked about so if i'm talking about the holy spirit and how he leads us and guides us well my game is probably going to be one kid's blindfolded and the other kid has to lead him through um a, a small obstacle course of chairs and get him back to the front in 60 seconds. And if he can do it, maybe he has to pick something up at the end. The point is the kid that can see is the Holy Spirit. The kid that can't see is us. And if they're listening to the Holy Spirit, they're going to get through it just fine. And that's the point that I'm going to raise at the end. That's not even hard to do. Okay. Uh, let me give you another example. If, if your point is working together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, have them maneuver a hula hoop over through their bodies by holding hands. That's the oldest game in the world, but in the context, it works. Um, have them move balls from one bucket to the other using only one hand each so that if they don't work together, the game won't work. So you can have all kinds of ideas like that. I like to go down to Home Depot and I create something called the double straw. And um, you go and you get the, the clear acrylic hose um, that you use to connect an ice maker and you use a two-way splitter this little plastic thing, and you can do all this with scissors. You cut the 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 acrylic tube into three pieces. The little Y splitter has two, so you plug those in. You plug the one in the bottom. You put that down in a two liter of soda or juice, and then you have the two kids that have to drink out of the straw. Now it sounds terrible. They each have their own spout, but it comes out of one source. And let me tell you, it's sanitary because um, <laughs> they have to work together to pull the liquid up out of the, the, the two liter and they don't, it doesn't cross each other. Okay. So you just have to trust me on that. At least that's what I tell the parents, but that would be another example of something where you have to work together, you and God working together, you and your friends working together, whatever it is, that's how you do what you do. Um, I would love for you to try to use that exercise. If you need some help with something like that, email me at uh, helpimacp at gmail.com, and I'll try to help you out, give you some ideas. Um, don't hit me with your whole year's worth of curriculum. But the best way to think of an object lesson is is to think of something that does what you're, what you're trying to explain in real life. Okay? Um, like if, if you're trying to explain that as as – People of God, we have two jobs. One is to know God, and two is to make him known. Okay, maybe that's your point. Well, think of something in real life that only has two jobs. Um, a bucket. A bucket has two jobs. What are they? To, uh, to be filled and to pour out. 
That's it. You can use it for a lot of other things, but those are its two jobs. A hammer's that way too. It's meant to drive nails and pull them out. So I've got a hammer in my hand. You can use a hammer for a lot of things. You can destroy things with a hammer, just like people can use their lives to destroy each other. But God has created us for two reasons, to know him and make him known, or to know God and to to share him with other people. Um, so, And then your game could have to do, again, with an inflatable hammer, or you could cut hammers out of uh, of, of foam core or or construction paper and, and tell them that they have to, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know, but how many hammers can you, (laughs) it's terrible to play. Why am I keep going with hammers? But maybe you take balloons and you draw hammers on the balloons and uh, how many, how many hammers can you pop in 60 seconds, you know, or, or little tiny balloons. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of things you can do with that. So uh, have fun with that. Um, Here is my method for playing games when I'm actually doing the games in service. I talked a little bit about my theories um, on how to create them, how I've made games that teach, but now I want to hit you with how in practice my games go down because I don't want to waste a lot of time. So here's how I've trained my game leaders to do what they do. First of all, I never pick kids on the fly. Never, 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 never. Have you ever tried to do that? Yes, you have. It's terrible. You got all these kids raising their hands. You don't want to pick the same kids every time, but there's just some faces that outshine others. Let's be honest. And visitors don't raise their hands and the shy kid that wants to play, but will never um, raise his hand. You know, those kind of things. Oh, oh, oh. So here's what I tell my people to do. Pick your kids in advance before service even starts. As kids start to come in, my game leader has um, some tokens in her hand. They could be little beads They could be coins. They could be checkers. I don't care if they're poker chips, but she is going to go around and she's going to say, Hey, do you want to play a game a little later in the service? Yeah. Okay. Here, take this and I'm going to call for you later and you're going to need to bring this up and that'll let me know that I picked you. Okay. Then she's going to get all the kids together, whether it's 10 kids or two kids. And she's going to tell them, Hey, in about 20 minutes or so, the game sound will play. I'm going to call for you. You're going to come up and here's what you're going to do. And you go ahead and explain the entire game to them in advance. Okay. That way, when the game sound goes off and the game and the game person comes up and it's time to play, the kids come up, you take 30 seconds, not to explain the every detail of the game, but your assistant or you get the people in place, you use the microphone to tell the audience what they're about to see. And again, all you have to say is, we're going to find out Betty and Susie are up here and we're going to see how many blanks that they can blank in 60 seconds. Are you ready? Everybody set, mark, set, go, boom. See how quick that was compared to the way games usually go in our services? Oh, you didn't pick me. You didn't get here early. (laughs) Get here on time. We only pick kids before service. Okay, so if you're here, you're here. If you're not, oh well. And 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 I don't ever pick kids as the children's pastor because they'll come up and tell me, you never pick me for the games. And parents will get mad about that stuff. And I'd say, I don't pick anybody. You know what? I've never been picked either. But we pick kids who get here early. So I don't know. You might want to get here early and make sure you're being good in pre-show. That way you can get chosen for the game. Now you've heard me mention game sounds and 30 second, 60 second countdowns. I've got all these in video form. Now Um, I make my own videos using uh, Sony Vegas and I'll throw my sounds in there. And then I've got these video backgrounds that I get from animationfactory.com. And and then I've got a countdown that I made um, eons ago. I've since updated it using Vegas, 
you can get countdowns on the web. Try to get them for free if you can. Maybe I'll do some and make some available. Um, but countdowns are pretty fun. I love 60-second countdowns. They let the people know where they are in the game. And if you've ever tried to fake a 60-second countdown and just keep it in your head, it's not fair. Kids will pay attention even if you don't. But here's the game sound that we used to use. It's a little jarring. I just want to warn you in advance. Here it goes. I'd be preaching. I'd be talking. And all of a sudden... Okay, so we had a city theme. And this was the sound that played. And while this background music is going on, which I'll admit is still too loud, the game person would be there, hey, everybody, we're playing a game, blah, 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 something, something, okay? And it's about to cut out about now. All right. I found this that the sound was a little too jarring. I wanted it to be jarring, but not to the point it made kids jump. So now we do something like this. It's game time! Oh my goodness! Alright, so you notice two things. First of all, the sound is jarring, and it's obvious, but it's not like, boo. It's more like, Whoa. It gives kids a little bit of a chance to get ready for the intensity of it. It's more like a, what, a foghorn or something, or, a, or an old school. Notice the sound is fading away as well. And it wasn't as loud. So it allows the uh, game person to speak over the background music. Now, I have that in waveform. I wouldn't mind sharing it. Maybe I'll do that on, on the website. Um, but I, I, like I said, I use that now in video and it says game time and it flashes red and black and the text changes colors and all that. And again, I just use backgrounds off animationfactor.com, threw in some simple colors and some text in Vegas. You can also do the same thing in Windows Movie Maker. If you have a Mac, then you don't even need me to tell you how easy it is to make videos. So hopefully that is a benefit to you. Now, the uh, I'm going to play the 30-second version of my game music. Um, again, this is just audio. It has a countdown that goes with it on the screen, big 30, 29, 28. But we'll say, uh, how many blah, blah, blahs can you blah, blah, blah in 60 seconds? On your mark, get set, go! Here we go. <laughs> the kids are screaming and hollering and cheering and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to play all 60 seconds of that. But at the very end, it has a buzzer that plays, and that lets me know to stop and freeze right where you are. We're going to count up this, or we're going to check that, and no, 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 no. Team one, one, yay! So there you go. Keeps everything nice and neat. You don't have five-minute games. You don't have 10-minute games. You have a 60-second game. And man, if you're a person that can pl- that plays 10 minutes a game, cut it down to five minutes, and you can still play three games be awesome and you get a lot more game out of it so i hope that was helpful to you if you have any questions please email them to me help i'm a P- uh, help i'm a pc help i'm a cp at, uh, at gmail.com you can call in your questions 2095 nlcast you can follow me on twitter twitter.com slash nlcast or facebook facebook.com slash nlcast leave me an itunes review if you're listening to us through itunes that'd be awesome and tell somebody about the show of course the website Help on my children's pastor.com. Um, I want to tell you real quick before we go about a set design resource that I found. It's over at kidsturn.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes. But if you go to kidsturn.com, you click on resources and set design ideas. 
These guys do amazing, amazing annual set designs that they build uh, from stuff at Home Depot, random stuff like clothes baskets and and pipe uh, sewer pipes and all kinds of random stuff. You'd never recognize it by the time they get done with it. And the thing I love about it is, though it is amazing and awesome, when you look at it, you'd be like, you know what? I might not be able to do all that, but I could do something like that. I could do that because all this stuff is available and somebody in your church can probably help build something just like it. These guys have also put together um, some basics on how some of the components of their amazing sets break down, and you'll be amazed at what you see. These people use Christmas tree stands and, like I said, laundry baskets and and pool noodles to build something that looks like it came right out of Disney. I'll link to that in the show notes. Set design ideas uh, from kidsturn.com. Guys, we'll see you next week. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless. 